Welcome to the Perfect Puzzle. We're going to be in the book of Philippians in the New Testament in this study. It's uh, Philippians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there. Uh, for reference, we're going to start, I guess, around verse 4. Uh, we're going to start with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you that we can study your word. We thank you that it's so readily available, Father, through uh, bookstores. We can buy the books. We can order the books. We can download Bibles from in any version that uh, you might think of in practically every language. We thank you, Father, that it's so available and that you provide the means for us to learn. I ask you, Lord, to guide the teaching in this study with your Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would fill me, Father, and that you would allow the hearts, minds, souls, spirit, and bodies of the listeners to be open to your word, and that they might be filled with your spirit, Father. And if they don't know you and the power of your Son, that they might grow into that knowledge, Lord, and, and come to you as their Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, our subject this time is going to be, Is Jesus Enough? Now, I've been reading a book about joy in suffering and sorrow. You know, in, in the book, there's a story about a, a young woman who loses her husband to an overdose of pills. Now, not even less than a year later, her four-year-old son comes down with cancer. This young woman experienced tremendous sorrow. But during this time, she leaned totally on Jesus. And she wrote this, My husband was not my savior, and life is not found in my family. It is found in Jesus alone. I am continuing to learn to go to the word of God for truth and strength when my flesh wants to cling to earthly things. You know, during my life I've known many people, and I've been guilty of it a time or two, that when a crisis happens, when a crisis happens, they think that without, and you can fill in the blank, uh, my life can't go on. You know, without my job, I can't go on. My marriage is failing, so I can't continue. If I just had more money, or some money, or better whatever, then my life would be worth living. But let me ask you this. Is Jesus enough? For some of you, it is Jesus plus whatever. Now, I think it can be so easy for us to get caught up in the things of the world. We can become wrapped up in the tangible things that we can see, that we can touch. But we can also become, become consumed with the intangibles, like our reputation, our fame, or our achievements. You know, Paul took some time to address this issue, and he writes about the things that we need to leave behind and the things that were a gain to him as we grow in knowledge of Jesus Christ. Today, we can stand safely, securely, and confidently before God because of the work that Jesus has done for us. So let's see what Paul has to say. He says, confidence and self-righteousness is not enough. I'll draw your attention to Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Paul writes, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. So, where is your confidence today? And what are you trusting? 
So many of us, if not careful, can trust in some false saviors. Over and over again in the New Testament, we see that the Judaizers went about bragging about their credentials. Here in the beginning of chapter 3, Paul now chimes in as if he's, he's saying, Hey guys, you want to brag? I can brag even more. However, the point point Paul makes in saying these things is to point out that the self that self-righteousness is not enough. All of Paul's former achievements were filth. The first four things that Paul talks about here are things Paul was born into. And the last three things that he addresses have to do with his personal accomplishments. Let's take a look at what he has to say. Philippians uh, chapter 3 again, verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. You know, don't put your confidence in any kind of spiritual ritual. Paul was circumcised on the eighth day after he was born. Now what this tells us is that Paul is not a convert. He's not a Gentile converting to uh, the Jewish religion. He had a pure lineage. It's a very big deal for Jewish people. You know, there are a lot of people today who put all their confidence into a special event that happened. I go to church, therefore I must be a Christian. I grew up in a church. I'm a Christian. I've been baptized. I went to a revival one time. I went to a conference. You know, those are all things that we do. Salvation is becoming a new creation in Christ. It's not about going through a special or a certain ritual. We can't add anything to the work of Jesus. It is through faith alone and Christ alone. So our, our confidence is not in our ethnicity. Paul was born into a Jewish family of the people of Israel, a physical descendant of Abraham. But that is not what saves us. Just like being born an American, or being a Texan, or my dad and mom are, are Christians, you know, that must make me a Christian as well, because it's, it doesn't. Confidence is not about our rank. Paul tells us here he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, that has special significance, because the uh, tribe of Benjamin was more elite than some of the other tribes. For one, when the land was being divided, the tribe of Benjamin was given the portion where Jerusalem is. That was a big deal. Then when the kingdom split up and there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, Judah and Benjamin remained loyal to David and became the southern kingdom of Judah, while the other tribes left. They went to the north and became the kingdom of Israel. This was a big deal to Jewish people. And the point that Paul could trace his ancestry back to Benjamin was important. After the dispersion, Many Jewish people are unable to know exactly what tribe they came from. But Paul understood that no matter what he was born into or what his background was, that did not save him. Don't put your confidence in a tradition. Paul calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews here. 
Paul's parents were both Hebrew, and even though he did not grow up in Israel, you know, he was from Tarsus of Cilicia, uh, according to Acts 22, verse 3, we know that he knew another culture and language, but he still spoke Aramaic, which was his native tongue. He never wandered away from his Jewish roots. So, a tradition could be a family tradition or even a spiritual tradition, like being Catholic or Baptist or Methodist or coming from a good moral family. None of those things make any of us a Christian. Do you personally have faith and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ? If God today stripped everything away from your life, like your family, your job, your home, your vehicle, would God be enough? Or are you trusting in all these things to get you through life? Let's take a look at the last three things that Paul talks about. These are things that Paul had accomplished. You know, back to verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. See, don't put your confidence in a works type of righteousness. When it comes to perfectly obeying all the laws and rules, we all fall short. Now what I mean by that statement is that rule keeping doesn't alone merit our salvation. Being a really good moral person doesn't mean we're saved. We must have faith in what Christ has done for us. Only through Christ's sinless life, his death and resurrection, could we be saved? Christ desires for us to be obedient, but that's not what saves us. Our confidence does not come through our passion. People are passionate and sincere about a lot of things. Today, people are passionate about social justice issues, about politics, their favorite sports team. You know, you can see people fired up about many things. But you know something? Passionate people can be wrong. See, salvation has nothing to do with our passion. It has everything to do with God's passion for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because of Christ's death and resurrection, we can have salvation through faith in him alone. You know, we so desperately need Jesus and our confidence must be in him alone. Nothing else can save us. So how can we know Christ? You know, we've talked about our confidence should not be what our confidence should not be in. But now Paul moves to show us what we should trust in, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, confidence in Christ's perfect righteousness through faith in him is enough. But what exactly does that mean, or what does it look like? Paul uses the word gain in verse 7. This is a Greek word. It's an accounting term that means for profit or to benefit from. Paul is saying there's no gain from the above things mentioned. In fact, all of this is a loss for the sake of knowing Jesus. Now the Greek word for loss there is also an accounting term used to describe a business loss. So Paul is doing this and saying this to help us see that there's a transaction that happens here but it's not about business, but spiritually because Christ redeems us as his children when we place our faith in him. 
there's one more thing we need to see here in Paul's language that he's using. Now look at verse 8. Paul says he counts these things as rubbish or filth. The term Paul is using here refers to animal or human excrement. You know, that's a very crude word and carries the meaning of dog, really dog crap. Paul chooses this word specifically because he wants us to see that all of this stuff in worth is worthless or crappy compared to knowing Jesus. We can have the bread of life who is the Lord or we can have a big pile of dog poop. Which one are you going for? Hopefully you get the point. So many times in this world we chase after the poop when we know that there's something so much better. And that's how, here's how Matthew sums it all up in Matthew 16 verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Now in five verses Paul mentions the name of Christ nine times. And the point he's trying to make is that Jesus Christ is the most important thing to Paul. No matter what Paul has and has accomplished, it's all crap compared to knowing Jesus and living for him. So let's take a look at what Paul says about knowing the Lord. Because verse 9 now tells us how we can become Christians. And if you want to know what happened to verses 7 and 8, you should have opened your Bible. Because if you're following me and you don't have a Bible, that I might be, t how do you know I'm telling you the truth or I'm reading you the truth? that comes out of that Bible. Okay? That's important with any Christian teacher. Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. Paul goes on to say, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I want you to write down some words. Justify or justification. See, that's a legal act in which God think, thinks of our sin as forgiven and Christ's righteousness then belongs to us and because of that he declares us righteous in his sight. Do you understand that? That's a legal act. God treats our sin as forgiven and he takes Christ's righteousness and imputes it or puts it on us and that's what declares us righteous in his sight. See, Paul recognizes that in God's universe, the most important thing is to know God. Knowing Christ as our Lord and Savior is more important than politics, sports, movies, social media, even our family. And we come to know Jesus by placing our faith in him. We look away from our accomplishments and under what the Lord has done for us. In other religions or religious systems, you have to do the work. In Christianity, Christ has done the work. How awesome is that? We should praise God every day for it. But now we come to verses 10 and 11. These verses tell us that we as Christians, what we should follow, what we should pursue. We need to be growing in our relationship with Christ so we see the Lord's sanctification and glorification. Look at verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, 
becoming like him in his death. Now, sanctification is a big theological word. What it is, is for a believer growing in their relationship with Christ. It actually means the progressive work that God is doing in us that is more and more freeing us from sin and helping us to become more like the Lord. So when you take a look at your life right now, can you see areas where the Lord is freeing you from sin, where you have a passion for him and his word? That's evidence that you are a believer. Because as God is helping us each and every day, means that we'll, there are going to come more times when we go through trials and suffering. Those mean that those are meant for us to grow close to God and to lean on him. You know, at Stanford University in Palo Alto, California, there's a church called Memorial Church. It has the same architecture as the old European cathedrals. There's a large block of stone that served as a, pound, as, as a foundation for the pulpit. And there's some interesting words etched on that stone. It says, It is by suffering that God has most nearly approached to man. It is by suffering that man draws most nearly to God. See, God drew close to man through suffering and death of his son. And when suffering happens in our lives, it should reveal God in ways nothing else can. It should draw us closer to God in our walk with him. And where we realize that Jesus is enough. He is all I need. So when we, have, when we suffer, we have a choice to turn our focus inward and be consumed with self-pity and maybe even bitterness. Or we can lift up our eyes to look at Jesus who makes all things new and gives us the strength to persevere through those times. Yes, we're going to grieve. Yes, it is okay to not be okay. But the idea is don't stay there. You know, scripture tells us even Christ himself wept. And then Paul goes on in verse 11 and says that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You know, J.I. Packer once said, once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. In other words, we realize because we know Jesus, he is the one who helps us go through those times, and he alone is all we need. So let me ask you, do you know the Lord today? Has he truly changed your life? If so, how really dependent are you on him? Now, then there's glorification. Glorification is the final step of our redemption. It's not happened yet. It's going to happen when Christ returns and raises the bodies of all believers who have died and reunites them with their souls. We will have a perfect resurrected body just like Christ. And as believers, we await our newly resurrected bodies, our home in heaven. See, First uh, John chapter 3 tells us this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, 
because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You know, we need hope. But our hope is not in the things that we have or in people. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is enough. He's the one we need in our suffering and trials. He's the one who will see us through the most difficult moments of this life. I want to encourage you today in this here and now to pursue a deep relationship with Jesus. Be prepared and excited for the day when he will return. Jesus has defeated sin and death for you and me. Nothing on earth compares to knowing Jesus Christ our Lord. Father, thank you Lord for this message. You've taught me a lot and I've learned a lot through it. I just ask Father that these listeners would take your words Father, apply them to their lives as, as needed and that they would go forth Father with your spirit and in your spirit. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. And again, thank you for listening to The Perfect Puzzle.